Hi, this is Larry with the Planet Agora podcast, and today's subject is why we should embrace the wisdom of the fool. Now, I'm mostly talking about the fool as in the in the tarot deck, the major arcana of the tarot, the first card is the fool, but I'm not really talking about the tarot about as a fortune-telling device. I'm thinking of it more like an archetype, something like a fool is someone who doesn't know anything in the sense that Socrates said, I know that I know nothing. So I'm basing this on an essay I wrote for Medium, which I'll attach also to this. I've been, I was sort of obsessed with the tarot for a long time. I read a bunch of books on it, and I even I organized a performance piece. If anyone remembers that, it was in Rosendale, New York, at the Widow Jane Mine. I, I actually played the character of the Fool, and had a few other people helping out with it. Sort of an interesting idea, because in the Tarot, the Fool is the has the number zero, which sort of indicates that it's like the beginning of everything. It connects with the circle. With, it also connects in some traditions to the Kabbalah, where everything starts off from uh, the unmanifest. So the fool represents, in that sense, the universe before creation. But I want to contrast that idea with the, the more modern scientific idea that where everyone is wants to appear wise and knowledgeable and is flaunting their credentials. So I'm talking about doing a balance here. All right, so I'm going to read this essay and maybe make some comments in between. Why we should embrace the wisdom of the fool. I know that I know nothing, was said by Socrates, as uh, written by Plato. Here's another quote. In the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities, but in the experts, there are few. Shunryu Suzuki who's famous for writing the book Beginner's Mind, the Zen, a Zen classic. Now, in the major arcana of the tarot, the fool has the number or non-number zero. The fool is also associated with various mythical and historic archetypes, such as clowns, court gestures, and trickster gods, like Mercury's, Hermes, Loki, and the maybe coyote in the Native American tradition. By definition, a fool is an anti-intellectual, or at least non-intellectual, character. He, she, the fool is generally seen as androgynous, is not stupid or ignorant, but completely open-minded, and tends to approach life in an intuitive, present-oriented way. Socrates' quip about knowing nothing is often quoted, but seldom respected. It's interesting that one of the founders of the Western intellectual tradition would claim ignorance rather than wisdom. This idea is also found in the Zen notion of beginner's mind, popularized in modern times by Shunryu Suzuki, who wrote Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. These ideas are hardly novel. However, they are very much at odds with the modern intellectual worldview held by mainstream science, academia, and journalism. The prevailing assumption is closer to, I know everything, or at least a great deal, rather than nothing. With all the colorful and creative ways to insult others, consider how often words like stupid, moron, and idiot are found on the internet. 
often in response to someone questioning either conventional wisdom or someone's position on a cultural, political, or religious topic. When I read a missive accusing someone of being stupid, I can't help but picture an insecure child who is desperate to gain the approval of their parents or teachers by repeating the right answers. This isn't to say that there are never clearly defined correct and incorrect answers to questions. However, many subjects are open-ended, subject to interpretation and new evidence. It's like a math problem is more something where you have a clear-cut answer, one plus one equals two, although people even argue about that. But in most topics, it's more subjective. The education system is largely designed to reward conformity with an emphasis on memorizing and repeating information. True intellectuals who ascend to the higher levels of academia must create original work. Even then, however, they are subject to the biases of prevailing standards and the pet theories of the reigning paradigm. Now, one of the best ways to maintain a degree of humbleness regarding your omniscience is to remember that consensus reality is constantly changing and evolving. This point was famously explored by Thomas Kuhn in The Structure of Scientific Revolutions, which examines how knowledge doesn't so much progress in a linear way, but undergoes paradigm shifts. In the realm of science, for example, Aristotle, Newton, Einstein, and quantum physicists such as Bohr and Heisenberg, all represented different paradigms that greatly changed their understanding of reality. One problem is that it's tempting to pretend that paradigm shifts only apply to the past. In the past, uh, people just thought they knew the truth. Now we believe we know how things really work. But how likely is this if we're honest about it? Of course, we have to walk around with a working hypothesis of how life is, or we couldn't get much accomplished. This isn't the same, however, of knowing that we are right, and that anyone who questions the reigning theory in any given field is an idiot. Like in philosophy, this is the field of epistemology, which is about how we know what we know, or what we think we know. I mean, some skeptics would argue that we don't know anything, but again, you can't really live in the world if you don't know anything, or you wouldn't be able to like walk around or even uh, function or use language. So you have to find a middle ground between skepticism and knowledge. Robert Anton Wilson is a modern thinker who exemplified the true skeptic. In many of his works, including the New Inquisition, he critiques what he called fundamentalist materialism, he draws parallels between the dogmatic materialism of many modern scientists and that of fundamentalist religions. Robert Anton Wilson, he's best known for the Illuminatus trilogy, which came out in the 60s, but he wrote a, a lot of nonfiction works as well. I think he died in the early 2000s sometime. I actually saw him speak once in uh, Socrates, New York. He was a very interesting guy. Now, who is the fool? There are hundreds at least of tarot decks, but the most widely recognized is the Rider Waite deck, designed by Arthur Edward Waite in the 19th century. In this version, the fool is depicted as standing at the edge of a cliff. He is gazing upwards, oblivious to any danger. I also like the Thoth deck that was designed uh, 
by Alistair Crowley. It was actually uh, drawn by an artist named, uh, I can't remember her name, Frida something. Yeah, that's a, a very sort of almost psychedelic kind of deck. Between that one and the weight, there's a lot of different interpretations. There are many ways to interpret the fool archetype. He or she can be a shaman or guru in the crazy wisdom tradition, a philosopher in the tradition of Socrates, or someone who lives in his own world apart from society. For now, I'm mainly interested in how the fool relates to modern society's ideas about knowledge. Now, here are some characteristics of the fool. A beginner rather than an expert. A student rather than a teacher or a guru. An agnostic about everything and not just about belief in a monotheistic god. A skeptic rather than a believer, but skeptical of all things, including science, reason, and skepticism itself. One who understands that truth is largely based on definition, context, and culture. One who understands that past experience, conventions, tradition, and credentials don't equate to wisdom. The Fool's Journey, Integrating Archetypes. To recognize the wisdom of the Fool does not imply that we should embrace an anti-intellectual mindset. In esoteric traditions, the tarot is not a simple divination system, but a set of archetypes. It's sometimes called the Fool's Journey, which represents the spiritual journey of each person. To delve more deeply into this, I'd recommend looking into Jungian interpretations of the tarot, such as the book Jung and, Ar Jung and Tarot, An Archetypal Journey by Sally Nichols. Uh, there's a lot of other books that use that approach too, like the Tarot Handbook by, uh, I don't have that in front of me, but that is a book that uses the Thoth Tarot and, and looks at the deck in a very linear journey rather than as a simple divination system. To delve more deeply into this, you can look into all these different books. You can look into the how the tarot correlates with the Kabbalah, the Tree of Life, and you can look study more of the psychological traditions, such as the book I just mentioned. In the Jungian tradition, all archetypes contribute to our growth. To attain balance, we need to acknowledge and respect all of them though people naturally have different tendencies in one direction or another. The Fool is only one of the 22 cards of the Major Arcana. These are the cards that represent archetypes as opposed to the numbered and suited Minor Arcana, such as the Ace of Swords, Two of Cups, etc. These, these correspond like to the suit cards in the, in the uh, more familiar playing cards of modern times, like King, Queen, uh, Joker, I guess the Joker would correspond to the Fool. The next card in the Tarot is the Magician, whose number is one. The Magician, in contrast to the Fool, is a character of intellect, practicality, and cunning. Next comes the High Priestess, number two, who introduces the feminine principle and represents, among many other things, intuition and the reconciling of opposites. I'm not going to analyze the whole tarot here. The point is that you can embrace the wisdom of the fool without negating other virtues, including intellect, intuition, and courage. The pure path of the fool, evoked by the Beatles song, The Fool on the Hill, for example, 
may be noble, but it's not really in tune with the modern age. In other words, it has to really be balanced with other archetypes. The highest path is to integrate the strengths of different archetypes into yourself. However, the fool does come first for a reason. When you retain the fool's openness and divine ignorance, you don't have to avoid knowledge and a sophistication. However, you can approach these without being blinded by dogma and arrogance. The fool reminds us to retain a degree of skepticism about everything and an openness to new ideas, models, and solutions. Alright, so that's that essay. And the fool in general just has has many different interpretations, but again, he represents openness, skepticism, and avoiding being caught up in a particular dogma or system at the at the expense of all others. So that's uh about all I have for tonight, and I'll I'll continue with more discussions, hopefully, on subjects such as tarot and archetypes, and in future podcasts, I'm going to be doing more interviews on a variety of subjects, and book reviews, movie reviews, and just other subjects relating to society, philosophy, culture, and metaphysics, so... Thanks for listening to Planet Agora, and uh, once again, you can find uh, the essay this is based on on Medium. I'll I'll leave a link to that. So, uh, goodbye for now.